Hey everybody, welcome back to Worthy of Recognition for September of 2020, the year that just won't end. But we've got a great podcast here this month on Worthy of Recognition. I am so happy to be joined by my good friend and a co-host of the Tumbling Saber podcast and an all-around marvelous person. Everybody, say hi once again to Marie. Hello. How are you, Marie? I'm great. Doing wonderfully. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You've been you've been busy. We've got a tease yes. here for the powerful friends today. So people are listening to this later on in you know later on in the month. Powerful friends are getting this early. They're getting a little tease here. Marie, you've been a busy bee after your big dragon con win. By the way, belated congratulations on that. We're gonna get into that in a big bad way uh, once we get Nathan back into the fold. But yeah, you've been working on things behind the scenes. Something something cool is coming to, to Star Wars fandom's way. Yes, um, I am starting a YouTube channel called Afra's Artifacts, and I, I'll i go ahead and, and give my little tagline because I like it a lot. <laughs> um, welcome to Afra's Artifacts, where we do some archaeology of our own and dig into the queer side of Star Wars. The queer side of Star Wars. There's so many ways that can go. Because Star Wars is a lot <laughs> of things. That's true. Star Wars is a lot of things. But yeah, g- give us the lowdown. So um, I'm going to be talking about all of the LGBTQ um, characters, species, issues in Star Wars. I've got about 22, 23 video ideas already percolating. So it's going to be a weekly thing, Sundays at 6 p.m. Central, um, where a video will be released. Um, so, yeah, I've got a lot of content already that I'm I'm working through. So I'm going to start off with my journey. So my journey is an LGBTQ person and my Star Wars journey packaged in one the journey video and then i'm gonna start talking about afra so she's gonna have several videos because she's had several i'm going to talk about her and herself as well as her relationships that she's had in the comics she's a complicated lady yes she is (laughs) (laughs) she certainly is that but she's a ton of fun and i can't wait to check out your channel i that is going to be equally fun and equally informative and it's it's a cool thing that you're doing there's not, there's not a lot of, of ground being being covered in that section of Star Wars fandom. So that's going to do – I think that's going to do really, really well. Yeah, every time I've done my LGBTQ Star Wars panel at cons, it's always gone over super well. So I was like, I've done this panel and I've never had enough time to talk about everything I've wanted to talk about. There's another avenue where I can do that. So – Wow, that's so cool! I'm glad you took that yeah. dive. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I will say this. Well, feels like I will say it, but I feel like everybody who's got something to say should just do it. Like, yeah, it, it took me a while to work up the nerve to to start a podcast, but you just jumped right in. Like, you got the idea a few weeks back, and boom, you're almost ready to launch. That's fantastic. Yeah. But it sometimes it takes a while to get there for that switch to turn on and go. Oh yeah, I can do this. Like, why aren't I doing this? I'm having these conversations. Right. I'm thinking these thoughts. Other people want to hear them. Why don't I just put it out there? 
So that's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's funny. People are like, wow, that's a really quick turnaround. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a, I, I was guilty of this, which is why it took so long for me to get Tumbling Saber from the idea to launch is just overthinking it and trying to make things yeah. too perfect too soon. Like it's never going to be perfect. Even now, five right. years in almost, there's still so much that I view as like, Oh, this needs to be better. Oh, come on. But you just got you just got to go. You just got to hit that publish button and let the people find it and build your little audience and build your community and and just keep churning out the content. That's what people want, really. Yeah. Awesome. So that's coming that's coming real soon. I can't wait to check that out. You all of course plug away with that with uh, in the Tumbling Saber groups and on all that stuff. We'll, we will definitely share that for you. Help you amplify that message. Sweet. But um this week, we're talking about your particular Star Wars journey. You've been a lifelong Star Wars fan, and let's let's dig into how that whole thing started. So take us way back to whenever it is you got introduced to the Star Wars galaxy. Let us know how that happened. What, what pulled you in? Well, I was 10 years old, so it was in 1996, and my dad said... I, and he would always, like, he showed me Dune at a young age. Um, so he just one night was like, oh, let's watch A New Hope. Let's, let's watch this Star Wars movie. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't really know much about this. And we sat down and watched it. And I was just like, oh my God, this was incredible. And then the next night we watched Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I really want Luke and Leia to get together. <laughs> and my dad said, Oh, um, we're going to watch Return of the Jedi tonight, also. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we watched Return of the Jedi, and I was sold. Like, and it's so funny because the movies, my rankings, like, went up. So, like, A New Hope, I really loved. Empire Strikes Back, I liked even more. Return of the Jedi was my favorite Star Wars movie for three years. So. Yeah. I, that's how it started. That And that story sounds familiar. Introduced via VHS, after the fact, after it hit theaters. And when I think back to my earliest brushes with it, it's A New Hope. Like, that, I, I just remember obsessing over that movie. But I also know I followed a very similar path to you where... I saw them very in very quick succession. Yeah, I, I was a, I was a bit younger. I was only about six or seven, but boom, boom, boom! Like I don't remember sitting with one movie for too long and dwelling on it. But I do remember, like A New Hope is the one that I think about the most when I think about my early Star Wars experiences. And I don't know if that was just like a first impressions thing, but yeah, that that movie. I don't know what it is. There's just something about that movie and the way it hits you in that in those opening moments. It's just. It doesn't take much when you get into Star Wars for for something to, to to reach in and just grab you. Yeah, I think for me, like Return of the Jedi, I just I loved Jabba's palace and all the aliens, and I loved Jabba. I loved Salacious Crumb, like everything about Jabba's palace just enamored me. Um, and then the Ewoks, I loved the Ewoks. So, like, I, I have a Jabba, um, I have a Max Rebo, a Jabba, and a Salacious Crumb um, 
like beanbag plush. I have all three. <laughs> so like, and they're from when I was little, like, you know, so um, the Jabba poor thing that his skin is like peeling off all over the place. Cause he was sun, sun rotted, but, um, but yeah, I've had those for years and I love them. Yeah. Those, those, those things from your youth, like they're like family. Yeah. Like you take them to the grave. You're, you know, <laughs> you can't separate yourself from those things. Yeah. So, so for a while you had to deal with, well, it was, I guess it wasn't too long before, like when you got into Star Wars in that mid 96, mm-hmm. did you know, did your dad tell you at that point that more were coming or was it only once those special editions came out that you were like, wait a sec, there's more Star Wars? I so this is the weird part. I don't remember when or how I saw the Phantom Menace. All I remember is that I was head over heels for that movie. Like the minute the credits rolled, I was like, okay, now this is my favorite Star Wars movie. So I don't remember. I honestly have no clue. Like if I saw it in the first week, if I saw it, I I don't know, but I was 12. So, um, I would have had to have had my parents take me. Um, so I'm not sure. So in 99, you were by that point, like 15 or so. Wait, no, 99. I was 12 in May. Okay, so you were, so, yeah. So you're, I mean, even younger when you when you got into the into the OT three years sooner. Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, hit right between the eyes with perfect Star Wars. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you were right in that in that space where that's where you want to get hit with Star Wars. Yeah, it was, and the thing is, like, seeing Phantom Menace as a twelve year old, you understand Anakin, and he is you, and his excitement and his fear of losing his mother and like all those things that he goes through, you're like, wow, this is me. And that's kind of what I felt. And then it, and then when attack of the clones came along, I was 15 in that may. Um, and I'd had some relationships and I'd had like a guy that I just was enamored with and, couldn't get him out of my head and so i was like oh my gosh i totally get where anakin's coming from with padme and so attack of the clones was my new favorite movie (laughs) 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 but it was kind of cool because i was like growing up with anakin oh that's so cool yeah so and this point now anakin has leapfrogged you into you're still, you're still in, the, in, I guess, in your mid-teens, and now An- yeah, Anakin so is sort of, he's he's on the cusp 19. of adulthood. Yeah, yeah. So you can look forward to what, through Anakin, you get to see what adulthood look, is going to look like. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. But yeah, and then Revenge of the Sith. Um. That was my graduation present to myself to go see the midnight premiere. So that one, I remember it, the, I saw the midnight premiere theater was packed out. 
Um, my brother went with me. I was dressed as a mashup of Barisafi and Luminara and Dooley. And my brother was my Padawan, complete with Padawan braid. And um, it was a great experience. Although I remember the first 20 minutes, the slapstick with R2 and the battle droids. I was like, my brother and I looked at each other. We were like, it, is, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, what is happening? But now I love it. I love it, love it now. But at the time, it was just like, and, the, and I had been listening to the soundtrack for Revenge of the Sith since the day it came out. So when I sat down and watched the first part of the movie, it was different than the soundtrack. And I was like, I, I had a dissonant moment where I was like, why, why, why is this different? Like, no, I wanted that because the soundtrack has this like, boom, boom. Yeah. Like, yeah. And no. it, it just wasn't the same in the movie. And I was like, no. <laughs> so that was sad. But um yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned those slapstick moments, right? Because like you, Phantom Menace is, is full of them through Jar Jar and through some of the antics that he has. But when you're younger, it's like yeah, it washes right over you. And then you go through your badass teenage years and everything has to have oh, – it's going to be a little edgier now. And so that's, yeah. those, those same moments become like eye-rolling. Yeah. And then you get older and it all comes back around to being, yeah, so it's fine. So true. <laughs> and if, I, if you don't love it, you're grown up and you can just – suspend it long enough to get through that moment and carry on with the story yeah and like it's funny that you say that because it, it kind of makes sense with so revenge of the sith was my favorite star wars movie up until rogue one but that's its own thing um but it, it was my fate it, it was my second favorite up until like a year ago when on Twitter, this guy said, watch your favorite Star Wars movies from most favorite to least favorite and see if your order is still the same. Hmm. So I rewatched them in what I thought was my order. And I realized Attack of the Clones was my second favorite Star Wars movie. Wow. So that was interesting. Revenge of the Sith is still number three. But... um. But but I thought that was interesting that Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith flip flopped for me. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the lists are always so fluid, right? You see, we see this all the yeah. time on Twitter where people post their list, and we all roll our eyes and go, "Oh, we're doing this again." And then you 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 pop <laughs> your list in there and go, "I don't think it was this when I when we last did this exercise. I think my order right. probably tweaked a little bit." So like that's yeah. super fluid for me. Like every t every time I watch Attack of the Clones, I like it more. Yeah, and I I never disliked it, but there was things about it that I did I actively did not like. But now the more I watch it, the more I kind of sink into the moments that I do like and the aspects of the movie that I do like. And watching it with my kids, of course, like that's a whole different experience for me now to watch them get so engrossed in it that it it I I can't help but feel a little more affinity for for the movie, which. I put, I, you know, I put big air quotes here. Is that the bottom of my list as far as the saga movies go? Yeah. But I mean, something has to be there. But of course, it's right. They're all members of the same family, and I love them all dearly. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting stuff how these lists can just flip and change. I, you know, I look forward to the day where, hopefully, 
I, I always say this, like, I hope I have not seen my favorite Star Wars movie yet. I want somebody to come along and knock my socks off. But you have you have that figured out. Like every Star Wars movie that comes out becomes almost becomes like your favorite. <laughs> the uh, yeah, I mean, Force Awakens was a little bit of a bump in that road, but um, that's just me being weird, I guess. Yeah, we but got, we all have our tastes. <laughs> but yeah, pretty much. Like when I saw Rogue One, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I just, oh, I love that movie so much. Awesome. All right, so we've got your your origin story. You're now. It, it's hard to to say like the the, type, the level of canon junkie that you are now. Like you're into all the books, anything printed. Yeah is basically yeah. on your shelf at home that you dive into, you absorb the info. You're, you're diehard. You're a lifer now, <laughs> right? Like they, <laughs> they're taking you out of star Wars, kicking and screaming. Like I always wonder what would it take for you to stop liking star Wars? And I don't have an answer. Do you, like, do you have you ever thought about that? I, I don't think, I don't think anything would. Yeah, I mean, I, would, I there's this, there's. I really like, don't. The answer of well, if they gave me like a string of really crappy movies, then I guess I would dampen it. But then I would still find the movies that I do like, and there's always that's always going to be that. There's always going to be a book or a comic series coming out of the right. era that I like. So right, it it would be hard for me to just say I'm done with Star Wars. I'm never touching this again. I think part of that is is helped by my reading everything because I'm able to, yes, I read some things that I consider sort of duds, but I read so much that's so good that I'm like, I just keep coming back to it because I find new stories that are really amazing. Yeah. And especially if, you, if you're if you're a character person, like the, a lot of the most of the novels in my view have been sort of like those character driven stories yeah. as opposed to like event driven, which is fine by me. I hope we do get some of those event driven books at some point. Hey, high Republic's coming, but hmm. what is it like? Do you have like a favorite novel to this point? Um, from a certain point of view, I know that's not a novel, it's a collection of short stories, but from a certain point of view, just blew my mind. Um, I adored that book, and I am so excited about the Empire Strikes Back version. Um, but then secondly would probably be, um, Pirate's Price. <laughs> yeah, Pirate's <laughs> Price. Which is a middle grade novel, but it's just so good. <laughs> it's so perfectly Hondo. Like, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. It's so funny. It's, I it's such love a, that book. Such a clever book. Lou Anders captured Hondo so well. And then to hear the audiobook read by Jim Cummings is like, it, it's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. So, all right, so let's jump into your, your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars, as we call it. The four people that really helped you uh, develop your relationship to this galaxy. So, I don't know if you have it in any type of particular order. I'll leave that to you, but let's let's have your first name. Okay, so this one is... Um, 
I, I don't want to say lowest on my list because obviously all four are very important to me, but um, you know what I mean. Yep. So um, John Jackson Miller. Interesting. Is, yeah, is an incredible author. And while he hasn't done too much in the new canon, um, he did write a collection of short stories. It's no longer canon called Lost Tribe of the Sith, which was the most incredible world-building look into the Sith species and the creation of the Sith, quote, religion. So, it oh my gosh. Like, it, it was so good. And I, I would just, I'd really like, because... You know how Lucasfilm Publishing took Timothy Zahn aside and said, Hey, everybody loves Thrawn, so you get to rewrite Thrawn for new canon. Well, I really want them to go to John Jackson Miller and say, Hey, the Sith, we need to know more about them. Rewrite your stories for new canon. That would be so cool. Because we don't know much about the Sith. Like, they're, it's very vague and fuzzy. And we we got even more details in Rise of Skywalker. But at the same time, those details were super cryptic. So it's like, there's there's just not that we know much of. And, and I guess the Sith species is no longer a thing. Um but I think that was just fascinating. You bring up and... a great point. A really great point. Because you're right. Like The history of the Sith canonically is not super well fleshed out. And same for the Jedi for that matter. You yeah. gotta think. I gotta wonder if, if that's something that's being held on for future movies down the line. But they would also turn to somebody like John Jackson Miller and say, help but now you're now it's you're up in the same way that they did with uh like you said with timothy zahn to build out the thrawn side of the universe let's get let's get this guy back in john jackson miller to build up the sith side of things that's a oh i love that i love that yeah i i would be so down for that um and another book that i remember reading um, because there was a point in time where this is right before like a year, the year before Disney bought Star Wars, um, I was getting into reading the books and I was like, I'm going to try to read all of them, which it was silly because there were like 500. Um, but I wanted to read all the Sith era books. So I got lost tribe of the sith and i got knight errant which is another book by john jackson miller and it was just fascinating these these sith warlords and their oh my gosh it was just so cool um on these different planets but like it it, it makes you see the sith in sort of a different light and their mantra is so powerful um, the first line, peace is a lie, there is only passion. That speaks to me. Like, the Jedi Code is so, like, 
boring. <sighs> what is the word? Yeah, it's like very neutral. It's so incredibly neutral. There's like no feeling. Whereas the Sith Code is all about feeling and passion. And, um, and I loved that. And one thing I am very thankful for is the fact that my Sith symbol tattoo is still canon. <laughs> oh, no. You can't have that. You cannot have a, non- a Legends tattoo. Oh, boy. I, you know, I like what you said about like the Jedi, the Jedi Creed or Jedi Code. It is sort of like this bland, neutral thing, which is probably the way they would have liked it. And also sort of is a uh, like almost like a foreshadowing of their eventual downfall because they were so dispassionate about everything. Right. They they took that whole balance aspect a little bit too much to heart and they had they had no fire in the belly for anything. Mm -mm. But yeah, John Jackson Miller, he's a lot of people like him and he has been conspicuously like really absent from new canon like he wrote an, uh, a new dawn yeah which is which i loved yeah i mean we're talking about six years six years ago now you know that goodness was the, and really the, and the only thing he's done since is a short story in the canto bite novel and that was like three years ago before the last Jedi. oh that was the best story about Caljax on me and the swerton brothers <laughs> oh my god gosh only a trivia champion can just pull that out like that (laughs) that story was hysterical it was so good uh oh i loved it (laughs) and but i I don't know if he's been busy with other properties or his own works but where are you john come on come, come back to star wars we we need more stories from john jackson miller yeah i just think he's wonderful and authors to me are like my stars. Well, I bet for yeah, as someone who reads everything, <laughs> you you definitely turn to these people to to be those big gap fillers or like storytellers that kind of lead the way for you. Yeah. How about someone like like it seems like every author kind of gets their corner of Star Wars. Like E.K. Johnston seems to have like Padme locked down in the prequel era. Yeah. And Timothy Zahn obviously has his whole th- uh, Thrawn universe. And, it, you know, it seems like everybody gets a little piece of something. Like like in, in the Legend stuff, Karen Travis had the Republic Commandos to herself. And people loved those books like, like nothing else. So I wonder, again, I, I got to think, like, you brought this revelation up. I think it's got to be something that they're thinking. That John Jackson, we'll call him JJ, JJM. <laughs> he's got to be lined up for for some Sith Jedi ancient stuff. That I would I would eat that up. You would not be alone. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's the first name off the list. Uh, who, yes. Who, where are we going next? Okay, my next one's a character, and this character is. Hated by so many, Uh-oh. which is so sad, because C-3PO <laughs> is the most relatable character in Star Wars. With the anxiety and the helplessness, because let's face it, none of us are badasses. 
Right! <laughs> We'd all be looking to run the other way as, as the bullets start flying around, all the laser blasts and bombs going off. We're... I'm going for cover. I'll wait on the ship. Thank you. <laughs> so, like, he's super anxious. He's a worrywart. The whole saga is people making fun of him. And I love that meme because it's so true. Um, but I'm myself pretty anxious worrywart. Um, and when I was younger, I was bullied like crazy mm. for liking the things that I liked. And so I, and, and just being like, I don't know, being weird, being me, you know? And so C-3PO is just, he, he truly cares for the people around him and he wants so badly to be needed. He wants to be helpful. And I feel like that was always me. Like I, I wanted people to want me around and I, I wanted to be helpful and I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. But you know, got bullied for different reasons. And so I'm like, man, C-3PO, he's my, he's my bro. Like, <laughs> he's, he's your spirit him. droid. He is my spirit droid. Exactly. Well, you're not alone. And, you know, C-3PO is one of those characters who's a, you know, beyond being goldenrod, he's a bit of a lightning rod too, where it's just, he's the neurotic character from Star Wars who kind of drives everybody a little bit nuts, but we all have that friend or that family member who just, he's nails on a chalkboard. But he's <laughs> part of the family. You can't have a family get together without Uncle Lunatic or, or the worry wart, like you said. He's, he's, he's part of it, and he's a, he's a huge part of it. Like, the first speaking line in the whole entire Star Wars experience comes out of his face. Right. And it, when George created these things... Especially in New Hope, three PO and R two were our point of view characters for for a good long part of it. So you can't really overstate the importance of three PO and R two. Like they are so key to to the saga, and they kind of got you know stiffed to the background a bit in the sequels. But the, yeah, you know, you show somebody a, a picture of C three PO. You know who he is. Whether this person likes Star Wars or not, they know, oh, that's that's the robot from Star Wars. Right. Exactly. Favorite 3PO moments. Oh, goodness. Um, I, I actually really, I think one of the funniest 3PO moments ever, or maybe two of them, actually come from Rise of Skywalker. Um... One of them is when he's like, delectable sweets and colorful kites <laughs> <laughs> on Pasana. And it they sounds like a Lucky Charms commercial. <laughs> yeah. And they just all turn around and look at him. And he's like, what? And he turns around and looks behind him because he's like, are they looking at, at what are they looking at? And he's like, I'm just trying to be helpful. He's, he's but, doing his job. He's literally doing his job, <laughs> right. and people are just like, "Shut up, man!" <laughs> and then when he when he says, um, "Babu Frick, my oldest friend," <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh my gosh!" No, that's a, that's a laugh out loud moment, and 
Rise of Skywalker might be 3PO's best. It was so good. I mean, the only Black Series figure I own is C-3PO with Babu Frick. That's cool. (laughs) Have you lost that Babu Frick yet? No, it's in the box. Okay. Oh, good. Good. That's what collectors should do. Did not take them out of the box. My Funko Pops I take out of the box, but not this one. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, that that little Frick figure is, is something else. He's so tiny. Yeah. If you have a cat, it could gobble it up and you'd never see it again. <laughs> and then I really like um, the whole droid factory shenanigans and Attack of the Clones when he says all those ridiculous lines when his head gets switched onto a battle droid. I I just, I think that's hysterical. See, the, <laughs> it's so corny, but it's great. I had the reaction to that sequence that you had to sort of like the, some of the slapsticky moments from revenge of the Sith with R2 with like the per- periscope head, yeah. and like the antics with the battle droids. Like that for me was, is that moment with, with three PO in attack of the clones. Where I'm just like, I can't do it, but I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. But it's so weird to me, but it is, it is sort of, it's, it, it is slapsticky in that whole sequence. But that's George Lucas. Like, he was just, he's a weird cat. <laughs> yeah. He's a weird guy. Those moments make the right people laugh. Right? It's just, it's yeah. so it's so goofy. The head swap. Die, Jedi dogs. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> like, it's very odd, simplistic humor in that George Lucas way. I love it. So three people. I just, yeah, he he makes me laugh. I get him. Um, I He's wonderful in the Clone Wars TV show. Yes. Um, one of my favorite moments in the Clone Wars TV show is when Padme, Jar Jar, and C-3PO go to Rodia. And um, Jar Jar and C-3PO, Padme leaves them behind with the ship. And she comes back to the ship. And the ship is completely destroyed. And she's like, what happened? And I think it was like, I forget exactly what she said, but it was like, were y'all attacked? Or y'all, were you, <laughs> were, were you attacked? And C-3PO was like, no. And then she goes, Jar Jar. And he goes, Jar Jar. <laughs> and it's just. It's so good because even C-3PO knows that it's just ridiculous. That's that's like the two perfect characters to put together for that sort of ridiculous adventure. <laughs> you know that George Lucas did that on purpose just to tweak people who are like, I hate Jar Jar and I hate 3PO. Well, yeah, here's a whole 30 minutes of them. Yeah. I, lo- I, I love so that about great. George. He does, he does it a lot too. Yeah. Like you ask him. I think the last celebration. What What are you most proud of? What's your most you know favorite character? Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes from that same place as three PO. We're like, that's the guy that we we would be. We're not going to be the lightsaber guy or the blaster person. You're going to be the the dope who stumbles around and makes mistakes and gets scared about everything. All right, so yeah, you're. I think you're two for two so far. I don't think anybody has done 
either of your your entries yet, which is good. I like to hear these unique cool. entries because it, it is it's validation for this whole podcast. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. I'm ex- now I'm excited. We're getting down to it now. It's getting serious with the, with the next two. Who's next? Okay. Karen Gillen. All right. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that was the sort of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So bef- before the show, I was trying to guess Marie's picks. I figured I could do it. I had Afra on the list. She said sort of. Now I got it. I get it. Karen Gillen, of course. Yeah, because he created Afra. And that is amazing. Um, so being the author of the first canon Darth Vader comic book run, which in itself was a wonderful run and um, had one of the most dramatic Star Wars moments of all time when Vader discovered that the pilot who destroyed the Death Star was named Skywalker, courtesy of Boba Fett. That moment is such an incredible moment and it is one of my top star wars moments and it's just a panel of vader standing there clenching his fists with the view screen cracking like a spider web yep and it oh my gosh it's so good and then he creates afra and or Kieran Gillen creates afra and she's such a wonderfully fleshed out queer character she may not be a role model, but she's as <laughs> human as they get. Like, she's so real and raw. She's a little crazy, but she's so faceted and deeply realized that I'm proud that she's a queer character. She, you're like, it's, I think it's probably diff- rare and difficult in Star Wars for a character to have gained the traction that she has after yeah. this. Like usually it's all about the screen. So Ahsoka starts you know in a cartoon and even she has trouble for a couple of years until she starts to grow on people and the character matures. But it really takes some of that you need to like it, it felt previously that you needed to be on screen to be taken seriously in Star Wars, but not anymore. You've got characters yeah. like Afra, who start in a air quotes like the bottom rung on the on the comic book scale, mm-hmm. but whether you're a comic book reader or not, like you've you've heard of Afra by this point, and if you if you spend enough time around fandom, you you hear the name come up again and again, and you won't be surprised to see if you know to see Afra maybe in her own animated show one day. That would be wonderful. Or, or who knows, like maybe even higher, right? Like she's, yeah. like you said, she's fully realized and fully fleshed out in these car- in these books. She is so not a role model. <laughs> she's like, the, she's the opposite, but there's still so yeah. much re- like real stuff about her that, you know, she's selfish, yet she sometimes means well. Like she's, she, she really is a, a really fascinating character. And I feel like her stories are, like they're getting better. Yeah, the new run of Afra is just brilliant. Yeah, like not to take away from Kieran Gillen because he gets all the props in the world for creating Afra, but now Alyssa yeah. Wong is is writing. Yeah, and it it's the character. I, I guess it's because part of the reason is that 
we're long past the the stage of like tiptoeing around the character's origin story and uh, getting to know the character and now we can just plow ahead and just put her in crazy situations yeah and one of the things that that i wanted to say was also that was just that, that he created such a perfectly realized character that several people after him have been able to take on her story and the results have been seamless. Yeah, and people, everybody kind of wants a little piece of Afra. Like, it's, there's a reason why she's, this is the second volume of Afra. Yes. And the first one went to, what, 38 issues or so? I think so, yeah. Somewhere in that neighborhood. That's, you know, that's three years of, of solo stories. And now she's five or six issues deep into his second volume. No end in sight there. So this this character is not going anywhere. At all. And then you think about, um, you know, she, yeah. she's, she, there's there's toys of Afra now. You don't, I mean, are you, you mean to tell me you don't have a Black Series Afra? No, I don't. But it's just because I, if if there was an Afro Funko pop, I would have that. There isn't. There's no Afro Funko. Wow. Not that I know of. You might be. Afro- Unless I'm missing out on something. Come, I've never, I've never seen one. Now that you you mention it. But I, wow, I can't believe that's actually. <laughs> but I would have that in a heartbeat. That would be a really amazing Funko Pop. But she does have, there yeah. is a Black Series figure of her, and there is a vintage collection figure of her. Yes. So, and, and, yes. Afra won the fan vote for, I think it was, I think it was the vintage collection. Like she won a fan poll, like, hey, of, of all this list of characters, what character should we make? Afra. Like that is yeah. a, that, that's huge. Because I feel, I feel like that's a, incredible. Yeah, like I feel like a lot of uh, collectors, at least the the ones that va- like you know value Star Wars toys as collectibles instead of actual toys, come from my era or older, and so that they'll ask for OT toys over and over and over, <laughs> which gets really boring. <laughs> but <laughs> but Afra won that poll, and she got herself uh, you know a vintage collection figure, and that's. And it was it was highly sought after for a while. People wanted that toy, and I'm happy to have one. Like I, I tracked that thing down, and like I'm super happy to have it. That's so awesome. So if they ever realized my dream, like I've been banging this drum for years, broken record, but give me an unstart uncharted style video game featuring Afra. Ooh, is that what it would take to get you into video games? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Just have her running around the galaxy, chasing down archaeological items, running from danger, having to shoot some people, betray some people. It would be I I it would be such a fun game. And you could do so much with the character in that medium. It it's it, it's a long it's that an idea that's awesome. long past due, I think. Uh, yeah. All right. So, Doctor Afra, yeah. Kieran Gillen on that list. Uh, have you have you ever 
like does has he written anything else of note in Star Wars? I think let's see. Let me double check. Star Wars Darth Vader, Star Wars Annual One, Star Wars Doctor Afra, The Trigger, and from a certain point of view, and, and Star Wars 2015 Marvel series. Yeah, so he, I think yeah. he took on the reins later, right? Like later in the game, he took on the reins from Jason Aaron once he walked away, and then he brought it close to the end. He he went through to issue sixty seven. I think the that first volume closed out at 75 and yeah he so he walked it almost to the end uh, but yeah so he's written vader afra and the main title but that's you know he hasn't written anything since i wonder if he's he's due to come back i think yeah that was a long time ago yeah but i i just love the fact that where sometimes she comes off as the villain She's a villain that has a heart and she in her own weird way cares for people. Do you have a favorite Afra moment or or arc? Oh gosh, Tolvin and Afra. <laughs> I and that's that's like spans multiple arcs, but I just love the relationship they had. And the the end of their relationship when Afra got the Myron to change Tolvin's memories to think that Afra was dead. And then you see Afra after she did that, just crumpled on the floor in tears. I cried. I was like, oh my God, they just broke up in the most brutal, heinous way possible. And this is so sad. And so although it was like painful to read, I loved it. Very cool. Um, I had, I had another question about Afro, but then it just left me. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, maybe it'll come back one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So Afra's on the list. Along with 3PO and John Jackson Miller. Or, sorry, Kieran Gillen is on the list. Yes, because he created Afra. And so there's a lot... Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, gratitude for that. Yes. Any other character you'd want to see Kieran Gillen tackle? I... You know, it would be interesting since... Chuck Wendig is no longer in the game, which is sad because I loved Aftermath. Um, but send your Roth Velas in a comic book. I would adore that. Yeah, if you oh boy. I wonder like Chuck Windig has a special vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he really does. And he he really I mean, it's his character. So, I mean, he created uh, Sinjir. If you don't get him right, he's not Sinjir anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I wonder if Kieran Gillen would get it right. I think he could, for sure. Because he's kind of like Afra in some aspects, where he he's just he's real and raw and faceted and and 
has a lot of depth to his character and he's a bad guy, but at the same time, he's a good guy. And so they have a lot of similarities. Um, but so that, I just think that would be interesting. I yeah, would love to see Sinjur in a comic. He's a lovable loser or a, lo- a lovable jerk. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good call though. But so I, I, my question came back to me. What is the status of Afra? and vader because going back to the beginning she, she was his, one of his i don't want to say lackey but he, yeah he he kept her close to him and got her to got her to do a bunch of digging for him and just do a little bit of his dirty work that he didn't want to do and then she escaped vader she faked her own death she got away from him and then he mm-hmm. found out about it and she had to go back on the run so what is what is that dynamic like um, my understanding is that right now he knows she's out there, but like, it's, he kind of gave up, which is weird. Because yeah, Vader doesn't often give up. I know. I I don't know. That's a good question because it's kind of hard to suss that out. And when you're reading like four different comic book series at the same time, <laughs> like, keeping track of everything that's going on is kind of difficult. Um, I don't, but I mean, like she went to the empire and was working for them at the end of the last, at the end of her first run. And then um, Vader came along and was like, I don't know. He just didn't seem. It's not like he whipped out his lightsaber and was like, you're going to die now. He was just kind of like. Oh, oh, you're still here. It's it's one of those weird times. And I guess <laughs> it's part of the it, it, it's it's almost a little bit like when Vader met with Ahsoka. In uh, on. Moribund. What? No. Malachor. Malachor. Thank you. And when George Lucas and Filoni used to talk about, well, if Vader and Ahsoka ever fought each other, it probably wouldn't go well for Ahsoka. But that that was before Ahsoka really became as popular as she did. And so when it came to that, that duel, they weren't going to kill Ahsoka off. Yeah. And it's almost like the same thing here where, yeah, of course, Vader versus Aphra, he... He could kill her in a heartbeat, but he's not going to. Right. At least not right. now. Like maybe at the come the end of Ahsoka uh, Afra's story, maybe yeah. Darth Vader does it does come back around and he does get her. But we're not there yet, <laughs> you know. And right for now, it's it's one of those almost like hand wavy things where it's like okay, uh, Vader's got bigger fish to fry with Luke. And- <laughs> He's going to let he'll, he'll let the whole Afra thing slide for now as out of character as that is for Darth to just kind of. Ah, I'm not going to bother with that yeah. right now, but it's, it's it's one of those necessity things. It'll, it'll come back around Vader versus Afra will come back around at some point. Yeah. All right. So we got John Jackson Miller, 3PO, Kieran Gillen, leaving us one more. And I think I know who it is. <laughs> but I'll let, you, I'll let you reveal it to everybody listening. Anakin Skywalker, Sky Guy, 
Yes. He is my absolute favorite character in all of Star Wars. I love Anakin so much. Um, I I love all the different Anakins that there are. The, the Anakin in the books, Anakin in the Clone Wars, Anakin in Phantom Menace, and the two and three. Of course, my favorite Anakin, yes, is Hayden Christian. Anakin. Oh, it's, Sebastian Shaw's not your favorite Anakin? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? How come? No, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. No, um, he's. Wasn't it great at Celebration 2019 to see. Was it there where Hayden came back? He hadn't been sort of really in touch with fandom in a while, and he did he was it that where he returned? He had a, like a big sort of return to fandom. I can't remember where exactly that was, but it was great to see. Hmm. Oh well, whatever. Okay, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not sure. But like you, you talked about off the top, like you got into yeah. when you got into Star Wars, and you you saw you know uh, Phantom Menace. You were twelve. But you were totally connected with, with Anakin. Like that—that's yeah. kind of where it took off with you, right? Right. And I, I loved. No, and I'm a sucker. Part of it too is probably that I am just a huge sucker for foreshadowing. Um, anything that gives me hints of what's to come, just fascinates me so excuse me so um knowing that he was going to become darth vader i was like how is this going to happen how is this story going to play out and so i just found it wonderfully interesting how all that happened and how you can see glimpses of vader throughout um and I also, I love how, I always say this, that Anakin loves harder than any other fictional character, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I think he loves so strongly and so deeply, and whether it's for his mother, his wife, or his son, he he killed to save his mother he killed to save his son and he went to the dark side to save padme so he did all these super extreme crazy things to save the people he loved but he did it out of a a deep deep love for for them yeah i mean he loves so strongly that it comes around to like possession Right. And there is that too. And it blinds him and he doesn't realize what he's doing. Um, so, I mean, I, I accept the fact that Anakin can be a real, 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 real bad dude. He's, <laughs> but, he's a little problematic. <laughs> but at the same time, I just, I love him. I really do. Um, I, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's super cute, but 
<laughs> it's also just I I don't know. Yeah, he's played by a Canadian, it's... so I'm just I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> and it's so funny. I had an argument with um two of my friends once. Or they were telling me how evil Anakin was and how bad he was. I'm like, yeah, but, yeah, but. And I'm like trying to. And they were, I think they were on purpose trying to work me up because I was getting real worked up. And I was like, no, Anakin is, he loves and was getting real into it. But, um, oh, yeah, my Annie. I call him Annie. He he doesn't do anything for the sake of it. Like sometimes, like bad guys in fiction, just like that that line from from the Dark Knight Returns. Some people want to watch the world burn. That's not Anakin. Yeah. Like Mm-mm. he does things. Like the things he does come out of his obsessive love for his for the people that he cares about, and it it, it poisons him and it poisons his thought processes and yeah, he becomes easy to manipulate. Like he's right. I hate to say it, but he's kind of dumb as a post that way. <laughs> and I think it's a trait that runs through all the Skywalker men. Oh gosh, Skywalker men are they and it's funny and I will admit this, all Skywalker men are whiny and brash and they're, they're kind of cavalier. Like, they're a little they're they're, they're kind of dum-dums, you know. Yeah. Emotionally anyway, they're kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll admit that. Like I love the character, but yes, he is a whiner. <laughs> through and through. Yeah, I mean that that's on full display in in Attack of the Clones, right? Where he's yeah. he's 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 feeling his his Jedi powers. He's kind of bumping up against adulthood and like any teenager of his age, he's trying to break through break free of his parent. Obi-Wan. He's he's trying to like yeah. test his limits, test his boundaries, and and you know, kind of flex a little bit. And it always comes back to hit him in the face. And he always kind of eats like almost like he gets shamed a lot and put in this place and almost like almost emasculated in front of everybody yeah. all the time. And so yeah. it kind of it, it fueled this this resentment that just kept building within him. He's a super fascinating character really is what what are your we could probably go all night with favorite anakin moments but let's let's have a couple (laughs) of them um oh gosh today was the or not today was it yesterday the 30 days aotc on twitter um favorite anakin moment and i said the moment when he kissed Padme, or Padme kisses him. They kiss each other on the balcony. Yes. Um, <laughs> the face I, he makes. Oh my gosh. The Just the two of them, like, that moment is so sultry. And it's just like, oh, wow. <laughs> the face he makes when she pulls away and he says, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just like that, the, like, he's all blinky in the eyes and he's like he you can tell he's just so awkward <laughs> he just doesn't yeah. know what to do <laughs> yeah yeah oh man it's such a painful moment um but i i love 
probably my one of my absolute favorites is when he becomes Darth Vader and he's like falling to his knees in front of Palpatine. That scene is so powerful and so scary. Yeah, it's 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 the hero. <clears throat> sorry, the hero who's finally just given in. I will do whatever you ask. Just help me it's save her. Like, it's so sad. Yeah, he's like he is he has sold his soul, right? That's that's the whole idea. He has kind of Yeah. given into the devil's temptations and he's he's given it all up. He's he chopped Mace's hand off. There's no explaining your way out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> so he may as well at this point just and he's he's he also was probably arrogant enough to say I could dabble in the dark side, you know, and it won't change me. Like he's right. he even though he's he's gone full dark, he still still feels like he's got a a life to live with Padme and yeah. a, a kid on the way. That's not a very Sithy thought when you when you think about it that way, right? And you know, eventually, it it, it, it that whole thing consumes him. Mm-hmm. But all the choices he made, they, they still come from that place of of possessiveness and just wanting to keep people safe. But man, does he ever go about the wrong way of doing it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Which, which, which makes his redemption yeah. super powerful. Come Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You, you get those moments where he's he's finally had enough of Palpatine's crap, and he's he's looking at his son getting you know barbecued at the hands of this guy who's tortured him for almost his whole life you know tricked him and, and manipulated him and you know, he finally just enough and he just you know picking up toss him down the hole you know that's it's it's great stuff it's super great stuff and then yeah i i, you know, I don't know about the sequels what they do for i guess we're still kind of feeling our way through that but i don't know what the sequel trilogy is, does for anakin do you, do you, do you, as an Anakin fan, do you feel like the sequels did anything for the character? Um, I do like that they included his voice in Rise of Skywalker. Bring balance to the Force as I did. But I really, really wanted an Anakin Force ghost that just talked to kylo and was like dude <laughs> what are you doing people have heard I me ask really that question that. yeah i've asked that question a thousand times why didn't that happen and i feel like the answer is because if that did happen the sequel trilogy stops happening because what, yeah like what choice would kylo have like if either he listens and the trilogy ends or he doesn't listen and nobody at the, after that feels sympathy for Kylo Ren whatsoever because he didn't take Anakin's word for it. So he yeah, you, know, you kind of you you lose you, that's like a bridge too far. If you're not going to listen to the guy who's been down your path, then sorry, dude. Like nobody nobody's going to feel sorry for you anymore. 
So I, I, that's yeah. that to me is the reason why I feel like we didn't get that. But I, yeah, that's a that's a big miss for me. <laughs> like they, I wish there had, that had been there at some point. That was tough. It's I mean the whole the whole thing is is tough because it's like we know Anakin's a force ghost. We know that he didn't just disappear into the force ethereally. Like we saw him at the end of Return of the Jedi. He's a, you know, full on force ghost. And we know that. So. And and we know that, that Ben Solo was like obsessed with his grandfather. Yeah. And so why didn't grandpa show up at some point and say, no, no, you idiot. And just like flick him in the head. Yeah. You dumb dumb. <laughs> go, go back to your mother and she'll slap you around for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scene I wanted in the sequel trilogy where Leia grabs Kylo by his big floppy ear, twists it, and sends him to his room. That's that's what I wanted. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. So how do you feel about the rumors then that Anakin might be back in, in the, the Kenobi series? Like Hayden Christensen back. I I mean, I would love that. That would be incredible. Um, any bit of Hagen Christensen, Anakin, like, I would love more. Um, I don't know how, I mean, I'm thinking it would, you know, obviously be flashbacks. But even flashbacks to the Clone Wars live action would be really cool. So, Oh, man, would it ever. It'd be so cool to yeah. see that. Yeah. Like, we get some of it in Mandalorian, and those scenes are awesome. Oh, they're so so good. And I've, I've, you know, when we learned about flashbacks happening in the sequel trilogy, I was like, ah, it's not really part of the language of Star Wars. Like, we hadn't seen that before. Don't do it. And then they did it, and it's like, okay. It kind of works, especially if you kind of wrap it up with, with uh, you know, package it as a force vision. Yeah. But now we're getting like pure flashbacks in the Mandalorian. So if we do it in Kenobi as well, but go back to the Clone Wars with a, a, a de-aged Hayden. Man, bring That'd be it. awesome. Oh, so awesome. Bring it on. Bring it on for sure. Absolutely. All right, so Sky Guy, the Chosen One, rounds out your list. That is that. Yes, that's a really great list, Marie. Like honestly, I you always wonder like how much repetition you get with these lists, and this is a wholly unique list. So good on you! Yay! Awesome. Well, Marie, I, we've made it to the end. So I want to thank you for you know being powerful for showing up. And bringing a great list to the podcast. And also, I want to give you the floor again to sort of talk about your YouTube channel and and tell everybody listening where they can go and when they can go and all that great stuff. So, um, once again, it is called Afra's Artifacts. And it will, the channel trailer will release at 2 p.m. on um, Saturday, September 19th. And new content will drop every Sunday at 6 p.m. Central um, starting September 20th. 
And it is going to be a deep dive into LGBTQ characters and species and issues and Star Wars. So I'm super excited about it. Um, it's stuff I've talked about at cons, so I'm excited to bring it to a more um, far-reaching uh, audience. You've got the YouTube mega megaphone now to, to work with. Yeah. Got to crack that and, algorithm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so I will be announcing, and that's what my cryptic tweaks cryptic tweets have been about all week at 2 p.m. I did that purposefully. I've released a tweet every 2 p.m. every day at 2 p.m. starting Monday with a little bit more information every tweet. And tomorrow I'm releasing the name. So I'm excited about that. And I did it at 2 p.m. So I'm releasing the channel trailer at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Um. But yeah, it should be really, really fun. And I get to talk about some of my favorite characters, some of my least favorite characters, um, and all sorts of things in between. That's very awesome. Is the channel active now so people can go subscribe? Or will that only happen? Not yet. Okay. That'll it's it's not gonna be available until that first video is posted, from what I'm able to understand. Okay, so any either way, when that video goes active, post that link all over our, our Facebook group and, and we'll, we'll get, share it via Twitter. Everybody go support Marie. You've heard her on the podcast for the last year plus. You got to go support Marie. You got to go subscribe to that channel, share her show, get involved, support in any way you can, man, because uh, Marie's, Marie's going to be out there killing it, doing it again. Woo! Yeah, you're, you're, I, I love being a part of your journey here and, and you know, Watching you stomp through the, the, the trivia grounds and now taking on the, the challenge of YouTube and still hanging out here doing like talking yes. comics and the and the, the wars and you've just got your blog. Like you are I'm gonna use the word prolific, Marie. <laughs> I'm using the word prolific. And it's 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 great to be able to take part in this whole thing with you. Oh same here. I tumbling saber means a lot to me. So I'm happy to hear that because you're, you're, you're an indelible piece of the Tumbling Saber family. I'm glad to have you, Marie. Yay. All right, everybody, that will do it for this episode of Worthy of Recognition for this month. Uh, well, Marie, finally, uh, out there on Twitter, where can people find you? At Alia Morgan. And as always, you can find me at Tumbling Saber. You guys know that. And there's also our closed Facebook group. Everybody who's listening is invited to come check that out. Uh, so do that. And that will do it for this episode. We'll be back again in a few weeks with another episode of Worthy of Recognition. But until then, we'll catch you on the main show. And have a great weekend, everybody. May the forest be with you. Bye.